Good morning. Well, I have the privilege of uh, speaking this morning since Ron is out of town. And uh, again, as Rick shared, I'm sure he and the family appreciate your support and your prayers and encouragement during this time. Have you ever taken a close look at yourself and been less than satisfied with what you see? Okay, I'm not talking about physically though right now because we're always wishing that we were maybe thinner or taller, you know, more pretty or more muscular, maybe with different eye color, wishing we had a smaller nose. Guys, maybe we wish we had a little more hair on our head like we used to or something, right? Now, I'm wondering if you've ever looked closely at your insides, at your level of spirituality, at your level of maturity, really look closely, and, and have you been a little disappointed by what you've seen? I think we can all say that we've done that, and maybe if we took a moment right now to do that, turn the kind of the introspective eye on yourself, um, maybe if you looked right now, you'd find that you're not totally happy with how you are even today. I mean, if we were to be honest. We might decide that we want to change, and we, and we hope we can change, but is that even possible? You see, perhaps in the past, even right now, you find yourself doing this. You've tried to change, you've tried to grow, but you found yourself performing an exercise like squeezing the sponge, right? Now go ahead, I want you to use your imagination because this sponge is you, okay? Remember I said, have you ever looked and not been satisfied with what you saw? This sponge is you. Now, you can squeeze it and make it take a different shape by applying some effort, right? I can twist it a little bit, and okay, I'm making some progress. I didn't like how it started, but I'm trying to, you know, it's starting to get somewhere. And, but before you know it, you, get, you relax a little bit. Maybe you get tired, you relax a little bit, and what happens? It ends up looking pretty much like it did before you started doing all that work, right? So I'm going to try some more. I'm going to really get this into the shape that I want it to be. And for a period of time, but then what happens? It ends up looking pretty much like it did when we started, right? And you might start wondering if it's worth even trying to change your shape. Maybe you're just stuck being yellow and kind of rectangle your whole life, right? Well, wouldn't it be nice if there was a simple and straightforward way to grow uh, so that we could become who we really wish that we were? What if there was someone or something out there who could help us become more like who we were created to be, someone who could train us and equip us to grow far beyond what we, where we are right now? Well, I want to take a moment and watch a, uh, a movie clip to see someone wrestling with the same experience to see if you can relate to it. This is from a movie I've seen a number of times because I have small kids. And it's, it's, it's a deep theological movie called Kung Fu Panda. Let's check it out. If a real warrior never quits, watch me. <sighs> Come on. How am I supposed to beat Tai Lung? I can't even beat you to the stairs. You will beat him because you are the dragon warrior. Ow! You don't believe that! Oh! You never believed that! From the first moment I got here, you've been trying to get rid of me! Yes! I was! But now I ask you to trust in your master as I have come to trust in mine. You're not my master. And I'm not the dragon warrior. Then why didn't you quit? You knew I was trying to get rid of you, yet you stayed! Yeah, I stayed. I stayed because every time you threw a brick at my head, or said I smelled, it hurt, but it could never hurt more than it did every day of my life just being me. I stayed because I thought if anyone could change me, could make me not me, it was you, the greatest kung fu teacher in all of China. But I can change you. I can turn you into the dragon warrior, and I will. 
Come on. Tai Long is on his way here right now. And even if it takes him a hundred years to get here, how are you gonna change this into the Dragon Warrior? Huh? How? 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 I don't know! I don't know. Oh. <laughs> well, we see the, uh, the humble Kung Fu Panda asking the question, how? How can I change? What are you going to do, O oh Master, to bring about that change in me? And the Master simply replies, I don't know. I guess being the Master doesn't mean that you have all the answers all the time, does it? Well, we're kicking off our Time to Grow series this morning, and this series is actually going to answer that question that the Kung Fu uh, Panda asks. Uh, and that the Kung Fu master is not able to answer. How can I really grow? How can I really change? Well, today we're going to introduce the ideas that will carry forward through this series. Really, it's the foundation that will help you understand what it means to really grow and to change for the better. Not just temporary change like squeezing this sponge that only lasts as long as you continue to kind of work it, right? Uh, but real lasting growth and change. Do you desire to grow? I hope today that we can rekindle that desire. The name of the, the talk this morning is Restoring Desire to Say. Can I get back to the point where I can say, you know what? Maybe I can take some steps ahead towards lasting growth. And I hope that's what happens this morning. If you want to take your outline out now, you can uh, follow along there and take some notes if you want to. If you have your Bible with you, you can open it uh, to John chapter 15. We'll be spending a significant amount of time in the first uh, 10 or 11 verses there as well. And if you don't have your Bible, of course, it'll be on the screens and in your program as well. Well, do you want to grow? There is no doubt that God wants you to grow. But what does that mean and, and how does that happen? Well, let's dive into our outline, and we'll pick it up from the top there. God wants me to grow, to grow, and that means, first of all, growing fruit, not just knowledge. Growing fruit, not just knowledge. That's point number one. I have to start by pointing out the difference between basic head knowledge and real growth. You see, in our culture, we often equate spiritual growth as simply knowing more, and that's an incomplete concept. We might say, you know, if I can just learn more about the Bible, then I'll be more spiritual, then I'll be more mature. And that's really a flawed idea. Sure, knowing more about the Bible and more about God himself is one component of growth, but by itself, by itself, just pursuing knowledge can actually be a barrier to maturing into real growth. Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, verse 1. It says this, it says, knowledge makes us not just necessarily smart. Knowledge makes us feel important, but it's love that strengthens the church. This verse says simply, you gather so much knowledge and you think you're all of a sudden hot stuff. <laughs> I know a lot. I've even studied some Greek, you know, and you start feeling all, 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 all big about yourself. And that leads not to maturity and growth, but pride, egotism, selfishness, and immaturity. Now, the NIV translates this verse this way, and I, I memorized this verse a long time ago. I love it this way because it's such a picture. It says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. It's this contrast. Knowledge puffs up. Who? It puffs you up. Puffy head. Oh, I'm learning so much. It says, but love builds up, builds others up, builds God's kingdom, right? And so maturity and growth is not found in how much you know. It's found in how what you know 
shows in your life. Okay? It starts, there's knowledge, it's a part of it, but how, what do I, what I know needs to show in my life. Growth is knowing God so well that it changes the way that you live. Now, this series will be focusing not just on head knowledge, but on the fruit of growth that comes from a transformed heart and mind. It's the fruit that, fruit that God produces in and through us. The next bunch of weeks, we'll be looking in Galatians chapter 5, and I want to read that to you here, verses 22 and 23. It says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things as these, there is no law. We don't go to church just to learn something. Do you? Hope I learned something today. We don't read our Bible or study just to learn a new fact or two. That just makes us puffy, right? It just makes us puffy. We read and study so we can change, so we can bear this fruit of the Spirit. Now, something that's absolutely true when we speak from up front as a pastor, and I know this is true for me, is I consider it my job not just to teach you some facts. In fact, we talk here all the time about teaching for life change. The purpose for teaching is not for you to learn. It's for you to change. And, and, and our goal and our prayer is that as God speaks, hopefully through us, that he would stir your heart. Sure, teach you something in understanding, but in such a way that it impacts your heart and your life. And if we don't get there, I feel like I haven't done my job to at least allow the Holy Spirit to do what he does. Second, God wants me to grow. And that means not just understanding that it's, it's fruit and growth, not just knowledge. But secondly, I want to grow by realizing that I can't grow fruit on my own. Realize that I can't grow fruit on my own. See, spiritual growth is not simply a matter of your trying harder. Okay? Working hard to please God on your own will get us nowhere except really tired. <laughs> Been there? I keep trying, I keep trying. Two steps forward, two steps back. <laughs> Let's turn to John 15. We'll be spending much of our time there this morning to see what Jesus has to say about this. Now, Jesus is speaking. He's talking to his disciples. And here, beginning in verse 4 right now, Jesus says this. He says, talking to his disciples, he says, remain in me. Remain close to me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. Can't do it. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Jesus makes it really clear in these verses. You can't bear fruit on your own. You can try as hard as you want, but if you aren't closely connected to the power source for fruit bearing, that, that's Jesus, you aren't going to be fruitful. You know, we have all of these wonderful vineyards around us in this area that produce these great grapes. But if you were to go to one of those vineyards and get permission first and actually cut off a little branch off of a vine, please get permission. <laughs> And you were to cut that off and bring it inside and then set it there and maybe even put it in a cup of water and go, all right, start producing some grapes. How long are you going to wait? Like forever, right? Like forever? Because on its own, the branch isn't going to bear fruit no matter how hard it tries. Come on, pop out a grape. Come on, pop out a grape. It's not going to happen. Now, we so that's really obvious, and, and it is really obvious, but I like how Paul writes about this issue in Galatians 3 when we talk about our spirituality. Okay, listen to what he says. He says, let me ask you this one question. He's talking to you right where you're sitting. Let me ask you this one question. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law, by obeying the law of Moses? In other words, by working really hard? Of course not. He says, you received the Spirit because you believed in your head and your heart. The message you heard about Christ. <laughs> but how foolish can you be 
because after starting your Christian lives in the spirit, you knew it started there, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? You see, Paul points out a problem that many of us struggle with. We know that we need Jesus to save us from our sins and the mess of our lives, right? But once we've received his forgiveness and new life, we then try to live for Jesus on our own, right? Thanks for the new life, Jesus, but I'm going to please you from here on out. You can just sit back and watch. Yeah, you know, like we can do it on our own and Jesus can take a nice long break watching us really do great things by our own efforts. And it doesn't work that way. Now, a few months ago, I spoke about grace here on Sunday morning, and I, and, I, and I used an illustration of comparing our lives like being just tossed out in the middle of a huge ocean by ourselves, and we are in trouble. Okay, salvation, here it comes. It's Jesus Christ. It's this huge lifeboat, and we're able to be saved and, and forgiven, and we're put in that lifeboat. Here we are in the ocean. Woo, we've got life. Fully stocked lifeboat, everything that you need to survive. The gift of salvation, new life in Christ, was gladly received by, by, by all of us, okay? And then we're there and we go, great, and now we're going to start making some progress. And so, as we're here in the boat, we start grabbing our paddle. If you're here, you remember this. We start grabbing our paddle and we start working to get somewhere. Thanks, Jesus, for saving me. And now I'm going to really start trying to obey you. Look, I'm going to work hard and I'm really going to make sure that I follow the laws and I witness and I read my Bible and I get really tired doing this. And maybe after a day of hard paddling, get two or three miles, which is pretty good. But if you're out in the middle of a huge ocean, what's two or three miles? It ain't nothing, is it? In fact, probably while you rest, the current's taking you right back where you started, huh? So, but tomorrow I'm going to paddle harder and get four or five miles and I'm just going to work out a harder because by golly it's my job right you know and the illustration that I used several months ago is sitting here all the whole time in the back of this huge fully stocked lifeboat is this monstrous good golly miss molly high powered engine holy spirit engine ready and he's sitting here saying start her up baby let's get going right you still have a part in it we got to go we got to start it we're going to get going on this thing but who's providing the power you or the holy spirit right and and so this is an analogy that i used several uh, months ago and yet it appears and we can kind of tweak it a little bit this morning to make some sense as well i want to take it one step further we're saved if you choose to follow jesus we're in the boat we're safe we're good to go we grab the paddle because that's just what we do as good americans on our work ethic we're going to really work and prove that we were worth being saved or something but today i want us to see that this boat wasn't that we're in isn't just a lifeboat it's a beautiful sailboat it's a beautiful sailboat now several places in the bible it tells us to be filled with the spirit and i really like that now look at this picture of the sailboat there. This sail is full of wind and the boat is cruising along, right? The driver of the sailboat is, is managing the wheel there and the rudder and some of the many fine points of sailing. But I want you to look closely at the guy. Do you see him holding the paddle? You know, maybe, maybe we'd zoom a little bit, but do you even think that he's holding the paddle? Do you think that he's thinking about holding the paddle? He's out there zipping along with this huge sail full of wind, and he's having a ball. Makes me want to finish church early and get out there, right? You know, and I, and I don't sail much, but it's, it's, I've done it a few times. It's great. It's great. It would be ridiculous if he's going, I, I, but I've got to have my paddle. I've got to have my paddle. If that sail can be filled with a big wind, why would you want to start, take it down and start paddling? Why would you want to do that? It's a sailboat. It's designed for sailing, right? With the power provided by the wind. Put the paddle down. Put the paddle down. 
And some of us, some of us need to begin this series by consciously putting our own paddles down and surrendering to the leadership and to the power of the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, not your own efforts. Be, be filled, be guided, be driven by the Spirit, not yourself. You can't bear fruit on your own. You just can't do it. So why do we keep trying so hard? And I say we because this is an issue, as I shared a couple months ago, that this is a battle in my own life. I'm going to please God by giving a good message on Sunday morning. If I give a good enough message, God's going to love me even more. truth from a pastor's perspective. Am I doing this to power? Am I saying, Holy Spirit, fill my sail so that you can speak and we all can be changed? God wants us to grow. We can't bear fruit on our own. Third, God wants us to grow, and that means that fruit comes not on our own, but when I stay close to Jesus. Fruit comes when I stay close to Jesus. I need to realize that I can't grow fruit on my own but here this fruit comes through close relationship with Jesus. Back to John 15, verse 5. Jesus is speaking and he says, Yes, I, Jesus, I am the vine. You are the branches. So we have this gardening kind of a concept here. I'm the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them, close relationship, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can, you, you can't, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, we can't do anything of lasting significance. But if we remain in him, if we abide in him, as some Bible translations say, it's that word abiding, which is really a rich term of closeness, we will produce, what? A little bit maybe of some tiny, punky fruit? No. What does it say? It will happen if you remain, if we abide, it, we will produce much fruit. And excellent fruit, because God only does excellent work, doesn't he? Right? I mean, that's what's there. So here's the deal. If you want to grow, if you want to bear fruit, it's counterintuitive. Okay? You need to focus less on your desire to bear fruit and more on Jesus. I want to bear fruit. So don't focus on the fruit. Focus on Jesus. Because when you focus on the fruit, you pick up the paddle, don't you? It's counterintuitive. I want fruit. I got to get fruit. So go after Jesus. But I was right? It's that simple. It's so simple that we usually jump right over it and try to make it more complicated and difficult because it's got to be, but it's not. So how do I do that? How do I abide, as it says? How do I remain? How do I stay really close to Jesus so that I can bear much fruit? Well, we go back to the basics, folks, and it's as simple as prayer, the Bible, and obedience, Prayer, the Bible, and obedience. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how many questions in life of truly important things go back to the basics? <laughs> Maybe that's why they're called the basics. Do you think? I mean, think about it. This is the foundation upon which everything is built. Well, so often we like all the little extra little goodies that are on the outside. What's kind of the latest thing? And we want all the little glamorous little flowers, little things out on the outsides of perimeters. And yet it all starts on saying, is the foundation strong and secure? are things there, are the basics solid. Develop a relationship with Jesus. It's that simple. And, and that means talking to him, right? Relationship means communication, right? That's prayer. <laughs> and listening to him, that's prayer and reading the Bible. And then respond to him, and that's, and that's obedience. That's the basics. 
John 15, verse 7, Jesus says as he's talking, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, there we go, that's the relationship of, of prayer and reading God's word, the Bible. You may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. You'll bear fruit. If you remain in me, we have this relationship. It involves prayer and, and Bible time and developing, not because I have to, because that becomes paddling, doesn't it? But a relationship that develops of communication that will lead to obedience. You'll bear fruit. You see, a few verses later then, in, in John 15, verse 10, Jesus says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. You see, Jesus shows us here that obedience in response to him is part of the picture, too. Relationship begins, and that leads to obedience. Obedience? I just saw a couple of your eyes light up. Right then and there you did it. You said, oh, good, Pastor John. You just gave me the okay to pick up the paddle because I heard the word obedience. Now it's my turn. I get to start paddling, right? Thank you very much. That's me trying to do what God commands me to do. And that means paddling like crazy to prove I can please God by obeying him. Isn't that what obedience is? Is working really hard? Wrong, crazy paddling monster breath. Wrong. It's what you've been doing for how long and how's that working for you? Right? There we go. Definition of insanity. Continue to do the same thing and expect a different result, right? You can't paddle on your own to please God at all. You can't transform yourself through crazy, feverish paddling. I want to read a verse here from 2 Corinthians, but before I read it, I want to tell you what to look for as we read. Just do a little explanation here. In the Bible, often when we read about transformation, talking about major internal change, truly change, it's in the passive form. Okay? That means this. You don't make it happen. It happens to you. It's not something you make happen. It's something that happens to you. That, that's what I mean by the passive part of it. Second Corinthians 3.18 says this. Let me read it. It says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate or reflect, in another translation, the Lord's glory, are working really hard to get transformed. What's, what does it say? Are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from your own hard work. No, no, <laughs> which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We see it several times here in our faces. It comes from him. It says right there, and we just reflect him with ever-increasing glory as we allow him to fill us and lead us and transform us. Do we pursue transformation through crazy hard work? Or do we pursue the one who transforms? Catch the difference? I pursue the one who transforms. God truly wants to change us, and it happens as we remain in close relationship with him. Obedience is part of the picture, but not in order to earn praise and acceptance and love and all those sorts of things. It comes out of a relationship that says, I love you, Jesus, and if there's a way I can express love and it starts showing in my life as you give me new desires... And, and give me the strength to accomplish those desires, to actually want to love somebody else and to serve somebody. It's not, not something I want to do on my own, to tell somebody about Jesus, to, to put somebody else first. Wow, God, you're giving me that ability and that desire. Catch the difference? And this way I'm talking about it now, I didn't run over and grab the paddle. God wants to change us as we remain in close relationship with him. But that leads us to our fourth and final point. God wants me to grow, and that means welcoming the pruning shears. 
Yeah, good for you. Good response. You see, this is when the fun kind of stops. The party's over all of a sudden. Pruning shears, that's an ouch. That doesn't sound fun or comfortable. It just sounds painful, right? Do I really need this part to grow? Because I just as soon do the sailing thing and skip the pruning part, right? I mean, given my choice, the sailing starts to sound really good. Not so much the pruning. Not so much the pruning. But it's true in gardening, and it's true in our lives as we follow Jesus. In the hands of a master gardener, a pair of pruning shears can just transform plant. It's a part of the overall care. Uh, a master gardener can remove strategic old growth and, and shape a struggling plant and eventually sculpt that plant into a beautiful work of art. Pruning, pruning hurts for a moment, but the resulting growth is so much better. And, and when it comes to shaping our lives, there's only one master gardener, if we'll allow him to do his work. Back to John 15. Jesus begins this passage by saying, I am the true grapevine and my my father is the gardener, not a gardener, the gardener, the master gardener. And Jesus says, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't bear fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more because he's the master gardener. Ouch, ouch. You know, we work and we work and we paddle and we squeeze and squeeze the sponge in order to change, you know, affect change in our lives, but we don't seem to get very far on our own, Right? In fact, when I just picked up the sponge, it looked exactly like it did when we first came. But the master gardener, on the other hand, looks at us carefully, and he begins to perform some strategic surgery with the pruning shears. And he stops, and he takes a look at it again, and then he grabs the shears again, and he begins to do some really earnest work in us uh, to do what he sees needs to be done to, to change us, not us on our own. And... Um, what types of things is God interested in pruning from us? It's interesting there because that list in Galatians 5 that we read, the fruit of the Spirit, just several verses before that, there's another list. If the fruit of the Spirit is what God wants to grow in us, there's a list right before it that's very much a list of things that God wants to prune from us. In fact, these things that God wants to prune from us are actually going to get in the way of us abiding in Christ. They're going to keep us from growing, and that's why God puts that list there. Okay, Galatians 5, starting at verse 19, says this. It says, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Now, it's interesting when we look at this list that some of these things are really big things. You know, I look, go, oh gosh, you know, orgies, witchcraft. Boy, those things are not a part of my life. Whew, no pruning shears needed here. Those are some pretty heavy-duty things, at least in my life. And yet, some of the things maybe aren't so big in my scale. Right? Impurity? Anybody have an issue there? Nah. Jealousy? Envy? Selfishness? Do you see the need for some pruning shears in your life? <laughs> like pretty quickly, huh? Listen, friends, you will never grow into a close, abiding relationship with Jesus as long as you resist, as long as you resist God's pruning shears. God wants to do his work in you. It may not be comfortable, but it's essential for growth. God will do his work when we allow him to say, let me remove that stuff that's that, that's in the way. You by yourself never affect change that lasts, but me, if you'll allow me, I will affect change. And over time, God, the master gardener of our lives, will help us grow into the image. God will help us not only change a little bit, but he'll help us grow into the image of Jesus Christ, right? 
something we can't do on our own, something we can't do on our own. We can start to resemble Jesus Christ. And isn't that what we really want? I mean, really? Wherever you're at, you, came to, you chose to come to church today. And, and sometimes in the midst of our life, we love living for ourselves. But there's times when you stop and sit back and say, I'd love to be a person that thought about others more and that, was, that had more peace and joy in life, no matter what's going on around me. I'd love to be a person that others sought for counsel and for prayer. I'd love to be a person of more gentleness and compassion. What am I describing? I'm describing the you that could be, the me that could be if we say, God, I want to be in close relationship with you, and then I'm not going to run away from the pruning shears. I'm going to let you deal with the junk in my life because the win, the win is way beyond the pain that's involved. God wants to grow us through his efforts as we submit to him in relationship. Would you pray with me? Lord, we're talking about growth, and it's something that we don't totally understand. And we use ideas like sponges and scissors and paddles and sails, God, to help us try to come to grips with your plan, which is that growth comes not through our focus on ourselves and the efforts, God, but through a dependence and a relationship in you, Father. So I pray that you lead us there. And Lord, I look forward to these next bunch of weeks, these next couple months as we pull apart Galatians 5, not, at the, not looking individually at all these things that we need to do in order to be more godly, but in the fruit you want to produce in us as you fill our sails and help us make major progress and headway in the ocean of life. Lord, teach us. Conform us to the image of Jesus Christ, your son. It's Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.